Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. Because of the clarity of its prophecies, Isaiah is sometimes fondly called the fifth evangelist. Our Old Testament lesson this day is a shining example of this. This section is from Isaiah's servant songs, which speak of the servant of the Lord and what he will do. This section may rightly be called the Passion According to Isaiah, for in these chapters he accurately and clearly prophesies of our Lord's death and resurrection and what it would accomplish. Before Isaiah goes into the details of what will happen to the servant of the Lord, he gives a glimpse of the resurrection. Behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. Yes, the Lord promises before telling all of what his servant shall endure, that he shall be highly exalted, lifted up, exalted above all others. But first, before that, he must be made low. He must go to the depths of humility, because he is exalted because of what he does in his humility, bearing our sin. His appearance was so marred beyond human semblance, and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. How low his humility, that none saw anything in him worth anything. He was certainly not beautiful in his life, Yet to us, who have the eyes of faith, he is the most beautiful because of what he has done for us in his humility. Because of what he has done, he shall sprinkle many nations, sprinkle with his blood in order to make them clean. He who on earth looked as one marred and unclean, by his sacrifice sprinkles the Gentiles, the nations, who are unclean, so that they may become a part of God's people. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him, for what, for that which has not been told to them they see, and that which they have not heard they understand. The Gentile nations who did not have the true God nor his prophets are astounded by this, at the work of the servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And though they have not been told that it would come, they see him with eyes of faith, and so believe in him, and are cleansed by his blood. They have not heard any of the prophecies, but they understand by the working of the Holy Spirit, and come to faith. What a mystery that in Christ Jesus, many Gentiles came to faith and continue to do so. This can only be the work of God. It is an awesome to behold, and humbling to see. Isaiah continues, who has believed what they have heard from us, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed. For he grew up before him like a young plant, like a root out of the dry ground. He had no form of majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Here Isaiah speaks as the nation of Israel, and just as it, it was a great and awful mystery that the Gentiles, despite not having been prepared for the Messiah, for the suffering servant, receive him and are cleansed by him, so too it is a great and awful mystery, humbling to behold, that Israel, who heard many prophecies, including this one, 
did not believe, but instead rejected the servant of the Lord, despised him, and thought ill of him. He did not look as the one that they expected. They expected a mighty king to deliver them, but Christ Jesus had not beauty like David that they should desire him. Of course, some did believe. God did not reject his people, St. Paul writes, even though many rejected him and his servant, Jesus Christ, his son. All the apostles and much of the early church were all descended from Israel and believed. And today, too, many descended from Israel according to the flesh are also Israel according to the Spirit by faith in Jesus Christ, recognizing him as the servant of the Lord. But still we see that many do not. Many reject him and the God of their fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And it is greatly humbling to recognize. But there is hope here yet in this text, just as St. Paul speaks with hope in Romans for a great ingathering of God's ancient people before the end. For here Isaiah speaks as Israel, but as a repentant Israel. As an Israel which has rejected the suffering servant of the Lord, but now by God's grace and Holy Spirit sees their error. Let us always pray for God's ancient people that they may see the light of truth and be restored to God in faith in Christ Jesus, the suffering servant. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. <clears throat> Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Yes, the Lord Jesus was certainly acquainted with grief, a man of sorrows. He had no home and no bed to lay his head, and he was not accepted by those who should have known in his earthly life, he was seen as one suffering for his own sins and his own errors. Any punishment he received, they felt he justly received for his teaching. Certainly, to be so afflicted, there must have been some hidden fault in him. This was the popular thought at the time. They esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. They saw him as suffering for his own sin. But this was not the case. As Isaiah clearly says here, Rather, the suffering he goes through, the affliction, the smiting, has to do with our sin, with the sin of Israel and the sin of the whole world. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. How could he not be a man of sorrow when he bore our griefs, our sorrows, our sins? He was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Clearly here, we see he not only suffered because of our sins, but for them. Indeed, here is the vicarious atonement spelled out in shining golden letters that show the love of God. Yes, the servant of the Lord, Jesus Christ, bore our transgressions and our sins and our iniquities and the punishments they deserved. He had no sin of his own, but took ours into himself. He took the punishment of our sin into himself and bore God's wrath, his just wrath over sin. He took our sins to make atonement for us in our place. In his suffering, the justice of God is manifested. In his suffering, he makes satisfaction for sin 
because he himself is holy. And all this he did out of his love that he might save us. Indeed, what he has done has brought us peace with God and reconciliation with him. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his stripes we are healed. He suffered for our peace. He died that we may live. He voluntarily went to the cross, even though we all like sheep have gone astray. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off from the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. See how he voluntarily went in order to save us, to bring us peace, to gather to us even together to him, though we had fled from him and wanted nothing to do with him. He opened not his mouth, even when facing injustice of the people and the Roman authorities, like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, like a sheep that before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Lambs and sheep are dumb and mute animals. They do not know what is coming to them in these circumstances. But our Lord, the Lamb of God, goes willingly, goes patiently, voluntarily for us, taking on our sin, frailty of body, diseases and death for us, going forward to death, knowing the great and cruel pain that he would undergo for us, yes, because of our sins, but also for us. He suffers persecution and oppression silently. He suffers a Roman governor who cares more about keeping the favor of the people and of Caesar than he does with the administration of true justice. And so by oppression and judgment, he was taken away and led to his death. And all of those who witnessed this, even the women who followed him at a distance, even John the disciple whom he loved, and even his blessed mother, who considered that he was cut off from the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of God's people. None knew what he was doing. Even though he preached this time and time again, he was innocent, yet they made his grave with the wicked. As he was executed between two criminals who rightfully deserved this sentence of death on a cross, and they made his grave with the rich man in his death. Even the love of Joseph of Arimathea is prophesied, the rich man of the Sanhedrin who did not consent to their condemnation of Jesus, and who offered his own newly cut grave as a tomb for Jesus. See the providence of God. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for sin, he shall see his offspring. He will prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. Yet, yes, even though he was brought, this was all brought about by evil men, and all this was done according to their own evil purposes, 
God meant it for good. The words of Joseph to his brothers certainly are typological of what our Lord, the suffering servant, accomplished. Joseph said, You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring about that many people should be kept alive. Yes, the Jewish leaders were removing a rival from their midst. Yes, Pilate was trying to keep a good name for himself and a position as governor, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. Also that many shall be accounted righteous, because he, the righteous one, bore their iniquities, and thus they are kept alive eternally. When his soul makes an offering for sin, Isaiah prophesies, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Yes, on the cross, our Lord Jesus Christ was both priest and victim. His soul made an offering for sin by pouring his own soul out to death. In him, we see all the Old Testament sacrifices find their fulfillment. To his sacrifice, all sacrifices of the law pointed to. The whole burnt offering was a sacrifice of worship. What greater worship is there than the Son in human flesh, the servant of the Lord, fulfilling all that he was sent to do? The peace offering was meant for the knitting together of people in fellowship. Because of what our Lord has done, we are knit together in him, in his body, the church, and we have peace and fellowship with one another and with God. The meat offering was for sanctification, and we may only be sanctified because of what he did on the cross for us. The sin offering was for making atonement, and by his death he has made atonement for us. The trespass offering was for a compensatory, compensatory payment, Indeed, truly, he has paid off the full record of debt by nailing it to the cross. So we are his offspring, born of water and the word within the church, his bride. The Lord God has certainly prolonged his days, and he has raised him from the dead as a confirmation that his great sacrifice has been accepted. The will of the Lord prospers in his hand, as his people, whom he has called to faith in him by the word, are gathered into his holy church. Yes, he was numbered with the transgressors in order to save us sinners. Yes, he bore the sin of many, even all. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. Oh, the depths and the riches and the knowledge and the wisdom of God. The righteous one, the ever-living one, the one who died and now lives for us, makes us to be accounted righteous by faith in him so that by faith we receive the benefits of his tremendous sacrifice. And just as on the cross he made intercession for the transgressors, so too exalted at God's right hand he continues to make intercession, and for us and all the world, who daily sin due to the weakness of our nature, that we might always cling to him by faith, that we may not trust in ourselves and in our own works, but in him and his works that we may not go astray like sheep, but remain steadfast in the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. O blessed Jesus, hear our prayer. Keep us in you forever. Keep our eyes fixed on you. Strengthen and increase our faith that we may ever trust in you and your perfect sacrifice. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.